want to pray with you. That's quite a question, Father. Rock or sand? How do we respond? And what does it mean when we respond the way we want to respond? As we get into the Word, oh God, today, especially today, would you make yourself manifest in our midst? Hide all the noises, the clutter. Get me out of the way. And please, dear God, teach us through Holy Scripture. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once upon a time, Jesus told a parable. And I predict that you know this parable by heart. And even though you probably can't recite it from Holy Scripture, I believe you can sing it by memory. So here's the deal. I will recite the parable to you, and then you sing it back to me. Is that fair enough? All right. Open your Bible, please. Let's cut to the chase. Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of St. Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Incidentally, both Luke and Matthew, as they record the Sermon on the Mount, end with the same parable. You can't recite it by memory, but I predict you can sing it. So let me recite it first to you. Okay, this would be Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And pardon me while I do this. I had to blow the dust off this old King James. Is it okay to still preach from the King James now and then? I got the King James Version right here in the pulpit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I have a red letter Bible and these words are all in red. You know what that means? Jesus is speaking. All right, here we go. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore... Whosoever heareth these sayings. Now, the Greek word for saying is logos, which means word, and it's in the plural form here. So it could read, Therefore, whoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Verse 25, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Oh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came a-tumbling down. And the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Very good. Wow. (laughs) All right, verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings or words of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish Man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Oh, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain came a-tumbling down. 
came up, the rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went. What was that again? Okay, I thank you for that because I did not know how it ended until first church. I wrote splat, crash, or kaboom, and I knew that none of those actually fit. So is it splat? Is, no, splash, is that it? Ah, a very short parable, ladies and gentlemen, with a very sharp truth. Please get it, get it, get it, get it. Here it is. The only ones who will stand in the final storm are the ones who both hear and heed the Word of God. That truth is so critical that I need you to write it down right now. Grab that study guide quick. Please get it out of your bulletin fast. Get your study guide. Ushers, thank you for jumping to your feet. Hold your hand up. If you'd like an extra study guide or you didn't get one, you just hold your hand up. And our ushers are trained. They will get it to you instantaneously. In the balcony, you all have it here in the Wind Symphony. By the way, Wind Symphony, beautifully done today. We're so proud of you. Thank you for ministering to us. So you, you have your study guides. And those of you watching on television right now, let me put a, a website on the screen for you. www, there it is, www.pmchurch.tv. We're wrapping up a series called Hid in My Heart. And you want to click on to today's teaching called Storm Brewing. Click on a Storm Brewing. You'll see, do you want a study guide? Click study guide and you will have this identical study guide with us, please. All right, get the point down before we forget it. Critical point. Fill it in. The only ones who will stand in the final storm are the ones who both hear, two four-letter words that begin with the letter H, you'll never forget them, are the ones who both hear and heed the Word of God. Speaking of the final storm, it was all over the news this week. Did you hear it? Come on, everybody celebrating the 2005 hurricane season officially ended three days ago. As one headline rendered it, hurricane season shattered records and lives in 2005. The people in Biloxi, Mississippi, I don't know, having endured the wrathful brunt of Katrina a few months ago. So here's how the, I found the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Here's how their new newspaper carried the official ending to the season. Headline, a year of records, the worst is over. Maybe. All right. Let me just read you. This is Dateline, Gulfport, Mississippi. It was a hurricane season that broke records set decades ago. The number of storms, their strength and the damage they caused. Twenty six named storms formed in the Atlantic between June 1 and today. The old record, by the way, was 21 sent in set in 1933. Whoa. And the storm that forever will that storm will forever be etched into the minds of South Mississippi residents. That storm is Hurricane Katrina, which is on the record as the largest natural disaster to hit the United States. Eighty plus billion dollars in damage, one thousand three hundred plus fatalities. Reading on here, the number of named storms this year exceeded the traditional alphabet. The first time since storm naming began in 1953 and the Greek alphabet came into play late in the season. And guess what? Apparently nobody informed Epsilon, which is the new storm forming, that the season's over and it's going ahead and forming anyway. Quoting now, retired Navy Vice Admiral Conrad C. Lautenbacher, an administrator for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, I'm quoting him now, arguably it was the most devastating hurricane season the country has experienced in modern times. He goes on, I'd like to foretell that next year will be calmer, but I cannot. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you throw in a couple of killer tsunamis and a, an earthquake or two or three, and certainly 2005 goes down in the record book of the entire planet. But I want to tell you something. I'm not worried about these storms. Because you know what? There is nothing you and I can do to avert them, not now, not in the future. Instead, today, I tremble for another storm that is darkening our horizon. A storm that is looming larger and larger. A storm that is predicted to engulf the entire planet. A storm whose stiffening advanced winds can be seen in the teenage visage of a boy named Harry Potter. Ever heard of Harry Potter? Ah, oh, come on. The fourth installment Hollywood has concocted has just come out a few days ago. What's it called? Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. This week, it is breaking box office records. Let me read to you from Reuters News Agency. They're a British news agency. Dateline London. Listen to this. The four, here, here's the headline. I thought this was prescient. Harry Potter still soaring at the box office. That's a double entendre because soaring, he levitates in these films. So he's soaring, still soaring at the box office. Listen to the opening line. The fourth Harry Potter film is continuing to weave its spell over audiences worldwide. I thought, what, an, what a curious combination of words. It's continuing to weave its spell over audiences Worldwide, with British fans of the Schoolboy Wizards Adventures packing cinemas for a second weekend after this record-breaking 14.9 million pound opening the previous week. Worldwide, the film, based on the book by British author J.K. Rowling and starring 16-year-old Daniel Radcliffe, has earned an estimated $408 million since opening the previous week, Screen, Screen International reported on Tuesday. Now, Chicago Tribune nearby Wanting to weigh in on the same story. I like their headline. Harry Potter's goblet is on fire. Let me just read. I won't put it on the screen. Let me just read this to you. Working some magic on the drooping movie business, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire took in $54.9 million over the three-day Thanksgiving weekend to remain the top U.S. film, according to studio estimates on Sunday. Now, look. Oh. If estimates hold, when final numbers are released Monday, this year's gross, total gross for the five-day Thanksgiving period would be the second highest in history. $218 million here in the U.S. alone. Quoting now Paul Der Garabedian, the president of box office tracker exhibitor relations. And I thought this was something. Here's his line. You've got to look at Harry Potter as being the savior of the box office right now. Did you catch that? The savior of the box office. Which must be why some of you parents took your children to the midnight premiere of the Goblet of Fire a couple of weeks ago. How do I know? I had a long talk and prayer with my fellow leader, Rita C.A., who is the principal of our Ruth Murdoch Elementary Church School a couple weeks ago. She came to school a few Friday mornings ago and the faculty supervisor for early morning drop-off, you know, parents who want to drop the kids off early, the faculty supervisor came to her and said, you know what, we're going to have a lot of tired kids today by halfway through today. And, well, how come? Well, because they're all talking about how mom and dad took them last night to the midnight premiere of the new Harry Potter movie. And one of the children is in kindergarten. In heaven's name, what were you parents thinking of? Do you understand the food 
that you just fed to your kids? Harry Potter is but the glamorization, the Hollywoodization of the dark and evil occult kingdom of Lord Satan himself. Black magic, white magic, it's no magic at all. It's all demonism. It's the entertainment version of demon possession. In the words of Rita C.A.'s newsletter, because she sent a newsletter out to her parents, and the title of her newsletter is Principal's Page, she sent this letter home, and I'm pulling one sentence out of it. I am baffled by the intentional choices of parents to acculturate Christian youth in Satan's battleground, end quote. But I don't want to be too hard on those parents. No, no, no. Since there are a bunch of you college and university age and older who also went to that movie and were entertained by those same masquerading demons. So oh, come on, do I, Pastor, please back off. I mean, come what we're talking about here is just good old stress-relieving storytelling fun. I mean, we're talking about wizards and goblins and magical wands. Everybody knows it's all make-believe. Are you that naive and stupid? Or might I quote the Lord Jesus, are you a fool? What are you building your life on? Please. Wizards. Do you know what a wizard is? It is but the euphemistic front for demonic fallen angels. What do you think Isaiah 8.19 is trying to warn us about? Would you jot this down, please? Isaiah 8.19. Fill it in. And when they shall say unto you, Hey, you got to go with me. Seek unto them that have familiar spirits. Come with me. I've watched all four parts. And I'm telling you what, they're familiar now. Those spirits are familiar. I can tell you their names. They're kind of cute. They're funny. I enjoy it. Come with me. When they shall say unto you, Seek, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto, write it down, wizards that beep and mutter. Whoa, how how do they do those, how do they do those screen effects? Isn't that cool? Did you hear that? Beep. Look look, look at the way that guy flies. Look at how that happens. This is a gas. (laughs) When they say to you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and mutter, should not a people seek unto their God? I was studying late Thursday night after putting this together. And I came across a verse, and I want you to jot it down in the margin of your study guide, please. Deuteronomy. Won't won't be on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is written to the community of faith. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Just jot down verses 10 through 12, will you? Deuteronomy 18:10, God speaking, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire. Nobody's going to give a child to a demon. That's called demon sacrifice. That's what passing through the fire means. No parent is allowed to sacrifice that child for the sake of entertainment to a demon. All right? That will not happen among you, God said. Now keep reading. Or there shall not be any among you that use divination. Or an observer of times, and the NIV says, or are are into sorcery, or an enchanter, or a witch, verse 11, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. No, No wizards. No wizards. Or necromancers. Do you know what a necromancer is? A necromancer is one who goes to the realm of the dead and calls dead people, supposedly, back to life. I don't want any of that. 
I don't want you to watch it. I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to think it. I don't want you to get near it. What? Has God got a problem? Does he have a problem? Yeah. You know what his problem is? I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. If you turn to him, I'm telling you, I know who he is. He is no God. He is a fallen angel. And if you follow after him, I lose you. And I am jealous to keep you, girl, boy. For all that do these things, look at this verse 12. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. Uh, NIV says, are detestable to me. God woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day when he spoke this? No. I've got to have you. I can't let that one who poses as God take you. Listen, I'm going to hear about this. So let me just cover my bases before I sit down. <laughs> Anyone, professor or student alike, anyone who defends Harry Potter as art or literature or stress-relieving entertainment is being sucked into the twisting vortex of a brewing storm that will destroy your soul in the end. You can call it, you, you can call it entertainment. You can call it a new genre of literature that we ought to be teaching our kids. Call it any fancy name you wish, but the Word of God is clear. It is Satan that you are seeking. And if you think he's funny, and if you think he's friendly, and if you think he's a fairy tale, I don't want to read the end of your tale when it's finished. Because you've just kissed up to the foul and cruel arch enemy of the human race. Kissing up to him for entertainment? Give me a break. Can't you find something else to do on a Saturday night? A storm is brewing upon our horizon. But it is not the hurricanes that I fear for the people of God. I fear that it is the devil himself making inroads into our very midst. Listen to this. Indian, Indianapolis Star. One more newspaper. Boy, this headline would catch your eye. Reporting on the fall lineup on television. You got a television in your dorm room? Most of you do. Reporting on the fall lineup on television. I thought this headline was something. Fall TV goes for strange themes. Hmm. What's it talking about? Let me read it to you. You don't have to be a psychic to detect a supernatural vibe in the fall TV season. Primetime does a paranormal polka as six new network series with supernatural horror or sci-fi themes give the fall season its signature programming trend. It's a trend. And now it's signed. Listen to this. One of the creep shows called Supernatural is a weekly horror tale about two brothers who chase monsters. Another Night Stalker on ABC is a horror field remake of the 1970s cult thriller. And three of the otherworldly new series, Threshold on CBS, Invasion on ABC, and Fathom on NBC, share a similar extraterrestrial fixation. In settings on or near water, alien invasions are launched. One more line. Lost, ABC's breakout drama about castaways on a very strange South Pacific island, is a key inspiration for the new wave of supernaturalized fall programming. And get this. NBC's quirky surprise hit, Medium. Do you know what a medium is? What is a medium? A medium is a channel that calls dead to life. Only 
It isn't the dead being called. Guess who's coming every time the medium says, Come to me now. I can't believe it. And NBC's quirky surprise hit medium may have joined Lost as an influence in the supernatural trend. What's going on? You know what? That's the wrong question. The question ought to be asked today, who's coming in? Who's coming into my mind? Who is coming into my heart? Who is coming into our midst? Who is it? Who is this that is blitzkrieging the entertainment screens of America and establishing His presence? Who is it who has taken over the airwaves and said, I'm Lord of the air. I'll decide what goes into American homes. And by the way, I am setting the agenda for Seventh-day Adventist homes as well. How many of our TVs, how many of our DVDs, how many of our old VCRs are playing back what he has dictated into our houses, even in the seminary? What's gone wrong? What's going on? No, no, no. Who's coming in? Somebody's getting desperate. Somebody is saying, you know... This thing is getting later than I thought. I need this generation. Give them to me. All of them. I don't care what church they go to. I'll take them. I want them. Even the secular press. Get this. I'll put this on the screen for you. The Wichita, Kansas Eagle. Even the sec- You have to fill this in. Even the secular press asks the question, Why the sudden infatuation with the supernatural? What's going on? But you and I know better, for we know that the question really is, who's coming in? And just in case you're still not sure, I'm going to give you two texts before I sit down. Two texts. Write them down. You have to fill them in. Text number one, 2 Corinthians 11:14. Just jot this down, please. Fill it in. And no marvel, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed. Satan. We're talking about Satan now. Is that clear? Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Light. My dear friends at Andrews University, he is not the village idiot. He will not show up stinky. He will show up with his regal bearing of light. You think he is stupid? I.e., jot this down. He will appear. That's a key word. He will appear to be good. That, by the way, is precisely what happened to Eve. The satanic deception for Eve was through her visual senses. Till this last week, I never saw this. Jot it down. And when the woman saw, when she saw that the tree was good, he went straight through her soul, took the entire human race down through her eyes. Your eyes. Your eyes have it. The eyes have it. Your eyes. That's where he's that's what he's gunning for. Their eyes. Satanic wizardry always makes the bad look good or sound good or feel good or seem good, and all the while it is dark. And by the way, oh, by the way, I read a review of the Harry Potter's fourth installment. They call this one the darkest of all four. Dark. Wonder where that came from. Dark. Because that's always the devil's strategy. Did you, come on, did you think Harry Potter would start out dark? 
It started out as family entertainment. That's all he wants. Here's, here's number one. We'll bring number two down just a tad. We'll bring number three down just a tad. I think we got, we've got millions. We've got billions. Now drop it. Drop it down to four. Dark. You know, dummy. They say if you want to boil a frog to death, you never take a live frog and throw it into boiling water. You, you crazy? The frog will He's out. I'm not staying here. If you want to boil a frog to death, you put him in cold water. And then just slowly turn up the heat under that amphibious creature. Just turn it up slowly. He will become so acclimated to the rising temperature, he will never know when at last it is hot enough to kill. And he will die cooked. Because slowly, okay, part one, part two. And we're lining up. At the Saturday night video counter. Are you serious? By the way, by the way, I just caught this this morning, got up early this morning to read the chapter in Great Controversy that's dealing with this very theme. And did you know, did you know that Satan with Jesus goes for the eyes in the number three temptation? Doesn't work with a mind, doesn't work with a heart. He finally goes for the eyes and he takes Jesus to a tall mountain and he puts in front of Jesus this giant IMAX screen and the Bible says he makes the nations of the world appear before Jesus. He's putting out the blitz. He's putting out the glitz. And he says, hey, Jesus, you can have all of this. Boy, forget the cross. You don't need to die for them. You just, take, you just bow down to me. I'll give you everything. Let it look, 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 look. He's always gone for his juggler through the eyes. The juggler is through the eyes. The eyes have it. Come on, think with me. Now, I need you really to be sharp now. Think with me for a moment. In a darkened room, picture this, in a darkened room with surround sound all around you and a flickering screen, the light source in front of you, you soon lose your perception of your surroundings. Which is why if they threw a commercial in the middle of that, you'd rise up and you'd start screaming. Because I was just getting into this. And you ruined it for me. Don't you understand what's happening? Surround sound all around you. Dark room. Flickering images in front of you. And for two to three hours, your mind is literally sucked into the moment and your guard goes down. It's down as far as it can go. It is down as virtual reality invades your brain and actually begins to control your thought patterns. I don't care what it is you're watching. I don't care how good it is. That's what happens. You are helpless. But there's a high to it. Which is why you come back week after week after week after week because it only feeds a longing for more. Makes you tired just thinking about it, doesn't it? And as a consequence today, we have become a hopelessly visual society. 
So powerfully are we conditioned by our entertainment that one day, get this, one day soon people will rise up and believe the apparition that calls himself the Christ. And they will unknowingly, because of their prior visual conditioning, worship the devil himself. They will have become so conditioned by the screen's wizardry that they will believe a lie. What do we just read? And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Two texts. Let me give you the other text. Revelation 16, verses 13 and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits come out of the mouth of the dragon. Write it down. Dragon. That would be the devil. That old serpent. And I saw three unclean spirits come out of the mouth of the dragon. For they are the spirits of... Write it down. Devils. The NIV says they are the spirits of demons. Which go forth unto the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I need you to be thinking now. I need you to be thinking, please. If that's the storm's climax... Can you not see why its brewing precursor that we are experiencing today is nothing more than a softening up? Soften that human race up. Soften them up. I have to have that entire race focused here. Once they're there, I can, I can do it. I need the church. I need Adventists. I need everybody. Here. 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 Why else is the viewing public slowly, insidiously being conditioned to accept the notion of spirits contacting us from the netherworld of the dead? I wish you'd jot these texts and I'm going to just fly four texts by. You have to check this out later. I'll put it on the screen for you. Four texts. Text number one, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. How much, ladies and gentlemen, how much do the dead know? You tell me. How much do the dead know? Tell me. They know nothing. They know not anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now look at verse 6. Jot down verse 6 too. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Nobody's going to come back and say, I'm happy now or I'm angry now. There's no, there's no emotion in the tomb. Zero. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. They cannot come back to your dormitory room and say, I'm here now. Because they can't come back to this life. They're gone. The dead are gone. Jot this down. Psalm 146, verse 4. Psalm 146, verse 4. The death, the one who dies, his breath goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. He will never have another thought. Never have another thought on this planet, in this life. Jot this down. Job chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away. You know how the mist lies in the St. Joseph Valley around Andrews University? And the sun begins to come up and then the mist just dissipates. As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. If anybody comes to you from the dead, if anybody comes to you, it is not your loved one. It cannot be. Somebody else is playing a game. And it is the most deadly game left on earth. Now look at verse 10. He shall return no more to his house. Can't be that person coming to my house. Neither shall his place know him anymore. 
You're saying, but pastor, what's the truth about death? I'll give you the truth about death in one line. I'll let the Lord Jesus tell the truth. John chapter 11, the great story of his friend Lazarus who died. Notice what Jesus says in John 11, 11. These things said Jesus. And after that, he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. I want to give you a hallelujah moment in the midst of this rather somber appeal. Here's a hallelujah moment to the life giver himself. Death is not an enemy. It is only a quiet sleep until the resurrection and life returns. What do you say to that? I want a hallelujah. Give me a hallelujah on that one. Hallelujah. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. Now, the disciples misunderstood Jesus, and they thought he was saying, the boy is really tired. He's been ill. He's, he's finally catching some winks. But you know what, Pat? You were sick this last week. We, we know that you need sleep when you're not feeling well, right? So the disciples said, leave him alone. And Jesus said, wrong. Verse 14. He had to tell them plainly. Look at verse 14. Then Jesus said unto them, let me tell you, let me put it straight. Lazarus is dead, but he's asleep. I'm going to wake him up. You got Jesus, folks. Hallelujah. You got Jesus. Death is never an enemy to you. Oh, death will interrupt your life plans. Death will throw a monkey wrench for your survivors. They will, they will never be the same when you die. But somebody will have the last word for your death. Thank you, Jesus. He will have the last word and He'll bring you back to life just like He did Lazarus. By the way, poor Lazarus got brought back to life to die again. But when you come back to life again one day, you'll never die. Ever, ever, ever. That's the good news. But you see, the devil doesn't want you to know that news. The devil wants you to think like he told Eve. You're not going to die when you eat this tree. You shall not surely die. God's afraid that you're going to become like God. Eat it, eat it, eat it. Doesn't it look good? Look, look. Big IMAX screen here. Doesn't it look good? Oh, it looks good. Good. She fell. Went through the eyes. A century and a half ago, a parable. Another parable was told. I want to share this parable with you. May I read it? It's there in your study guide. I saw the rapidity with which this delusion was spreading. A train of cars was shown me going with the speed of lightning. And the angel bade me look carefully. Shoo, 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 shoo. She said, I'm looking in. I'm looking in. This train is just going by. I fixed my eyes on the train and it seemed that the whole world was on board. That there could not be one left. Said the angel, they are binding in bundles ready to burn. Then, watch this, then he showed me the conductor who appeared like a stately fair person whom all the passengers looked up to and reverenced. I was perplexed and I asked my attending angel, hey, who is this? And he said to me, it is Satan. He is the conductor in the form of an angel of light. He has taken the world captive. They are given over to strong delusions to believe a lie. And they are all going with lightning speed to perdition. End quote. Hey, guys, guys, guys. I don't want to be on that train, do you? I don't want to step onto that train even for an evening. Just one evening of entertainment, do you? I don't want to get on that train just for one stop because I'm afraid the next stop might be the last stop. I don't want to be on that train. Keep me off of it. I don't want that conductor conducting my life. I don't want him to have a single moment's access to me. Therefore, whosoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 
And everyone that heareth these words of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and, and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. A storm is brewing. And a generation without a moral compass, without a moral authority, will be slept, swept away. Jesus is incontrovertibly clear. The house, the home, the heart that will survive the coming storm is the one that both hears and heeds the Word of God. Jot this down, will you please? One more time we come to this text. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy Word, write it in, Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Jot this one down too. It's verse 165 of the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. There is no storm that will ever take you down. You'll never be taken down. Not with, not with the Word. Not with the law. Jesus' words, Matthew 7:25. And the house fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Great Controversy 6:25. Listen to this. Keep writing. Only those who have been diligent students of the Scriptures and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded. Only those will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive by the Bible. Write it in. By the Bible testimony. These will detect the deceiver in his disguise. Would you circle those words in your study guide? Do you want to be able to detect the deceiver in his disguise so that when, so that you'll know in advance, I can't go there. I just can't. I can't, I cannot join you. I cannot, I cannot listen to that. I cannot read that. I cannot see that. I can't. I sense a deceiver in disguise. You've got to have that kind of perception. If you don't have it, you're dead. You're dead. How can I have it? The Word. The Word. The Word. By, how does it go here? By the Bible testimony, these will detect the deceiver in his disguise. To all, the testing will come. Guess what, my friend? You and me, to all, the testing time will come. By the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian will be revealed. Hold on. Are the people of God now so firmly established upon His Word that they would not yield to the evidence of their key word, evidence of their senses? Senses. Would they in such a crisis cling to the Bible and the Bible only. A very short parable with a very sharp truth. The only ones who will stand in the final storm are the ones who both hear and heed the Word of God. My dear friends, there is a storm brewing. i tell you what, this storm that is coming... It makes Katrina, Rita, and Wilma pale in comparison. A storm is brewing. The final storm. Go ahead. Call it the perfect storm. The perfect one's coming. Demonic spirits are already appearing across the earth. The final personal appearance of Satan himself will be, in the words of great controversy, the strong and almost overmastering delusion. Which means, jot this down, the final choice, the final choice on earth will be between your senses, the last decision you will ever have to make on earth will be between your senses and your Scripture. 
Which means, come on, think with me. Which means that if you're spending all your free time feeding your senses, I wonder the list that gets compiled once a week in this little village of DVDs and videos that make it from that place of business into Seventh-day Adventist homes. I don't know. Probably all Walt Disney, Bambi stuff. I don't know. It's probably that. But you can only watch Bambi so much. And then you've got to have something stronger than Bambi. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Well, we'll do Beauty and the Beast. But I tell you what, you're about sick after three times of Beauty and the Beast. Trust me. So what do we do next? You see what's happening? You get enculturated. You get drawn. You've got to have more. I've got to have more of this. I've got to have more. It's your turn. You walk the shelves. You walk the aisles. Pick something good. We got, we got Sunday off. Bring three. We'll do them in a row. My dear friends, do you understand? Do you understand what's going on? If you spend every free minute you have feeding your senses, guess what wins in the end? The eyes have it. It's your choice. Like Rebecca sang a a moment ago, it's rock or sand, the Word or that screen, the eternal or the entertainment, the Bible or that video or that DVD. come, Come on, it's rock or sand. The foundation you choose will determine your eternal destiny. As Jesus said, whosoever hears these words of mine and does them. I want to beg of you, mother and father, I want to beg of you, please, For the sake of the salvation of your children, build your home upon the rock of Christ's Word. Please, I beg of you. This Christmas, buy them a box full of Bible stories. Begin to feed your children on an eternal diet. You may not be there when the final storm strikes them. And they will have to fall back on whatever foundation you gave to them when they were with you. Please, I beg of you, build your family on the rock. Hey, university student, young adult, I beg of you, for the sake of your salvation, build your life on the rock of Christ's Word. You know what? Go ahead and buy yourself a new Bible. That will help you get into the Word. Buy your, I don't care what translation it is. Buy yourself a Bible. Or do this. Just a week ago, I did this. You know, for my iPod. You got an iPod. I have an iPod. So I got these little MP3 discs, and I downloaded the Bible onto my iPod so I can put those, those earplugs in and run and sleep and spend quiet time with the Word. You can do the same. You can still use the technology. The technology is not evil. It's just who's championing the technology. Use it for God. Build your career. Build your future. Build your future on the rock of Christ's Word. And finally, I appeal to you who are fellow leaders in this congregation. I see my head elder over here. Leaders on this campus, adult leaders, faculty, administration, fellow journeyers, all of you, in this business of the Christian journey, I appeal to you for the sake of your soul. Build your life on the rock of Christ's Word. Join me 
in saturating our waking moments, our hours with the Word of God. Let me, let me share this with you. Take a look. It's in your study guide. Now is the time for the law of God to be in our minds, our foreheads, and written in our hearts. Now, hold on. What leisure time we have should be spent in searching the Bible. Someday, it's going to be all that's left. Your call. Senses or Scripture? Senses or Scripture? One more line. None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand. None will stand through the last great conflict. My dear friends, the storm is coming. Rock or sand, it's your choice. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide my Self in Thee. Let the water and the blood from Thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power.